Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief of iPhone Life. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, the Senior Web Editor. And I'm David Aberbach, CEO and Publisher. Each week, we bring to you the best apps, great gear, and top news in the iOS world. Although this week, actually, we're going to be focusing on apps and gear because last week we overloaded you guys with our news segment. All the news. <laughs> so uh, this week, we first want to start out with our tip of the day newsletter and tell you one of our top tips of the week. Uh, if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for our daily tips newsletter, which now we have produced more than 800 tips. We've realized in the past few years, we send you one each day teaching you something cool you can do with your iPhone or iPad. Um, and this week we want to share with you our top tip of the week, and that's how to reset your forgotten Apple ID password. <laughs> this is one of those tips that comes in really handy when you need it. I mean, hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but I feel like everyone does forget passwords for their accounts here and there. Well, especially if you have Touch ID, right? Yeah. Right, because you never have to enter it. And, and to me, I can't tell you how many people I've met who literally have stopped downloading apps because they can't remember their Apple ID password. I know. And it just blows my mind. It's like this particular password is so critical. You can't run a movie. You can't download apps. You can't restore your phone if you get a new phone. So mm -hmm. it's really an important password. And so it ends up it's actually really easy to reset your Apple ID password, but I think there's a mental block because you don't do it on your actual device. You have to go to your computer to reset it. Uh, one caveat to that is if you have two-factor authentication enabled, which is one of Apple's kind of security measures you can take, which has you authenticate when you're purchasing things from a different device. Um, something we recommend setting up. I have the older two-step verification. Some of you might have that. They're most they're uh, the one they recommend. Apple recommends at this point is two-factor authentication. It's much more secure. Can we explain the difference? I don't even know the difference. They seem. I don't really understand it either. <laughs> they just seem like now they're now we have two-factor authentication. I'm sure that someone who is a little more versed in security would know all the differences. But um, with two-step verification, it usually ha when I make a bigger purchase, I have to verify my identity on a different device. Okay. And they'll send me like yeah. a security Or if code. you log in, say, into iCloud.com, you'll have to verify your identity. Right. Yeah. So okay. I think I have two-factor and it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it does seem I to do I think it's more they rolled it out sooner before they had all the sort of background stuff in place because of the whole fappening. Mm -hmm. And so where if celebrities' iCloud accounts got hacked and personal pictures were stolen. And so... But they've increased the security of the two-factor because they're, you know, there's not really a difference between two-step and two-factor, which is why it's so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you have two-factor authentication enabled, you can go into your settings app, go to your Apple ID profile, which is now at the top of the settings app, and from As of there, ten point three, really exciting. Yeah, and from there you'll be able to reset a forgotten Apple ID password. If you don't have that, you just go to appleid.apple.com. And from there, underneath the sign-in window, there'll be like little text that says, forgot your Apple ID, click here, something like that. Click that and you'll be taken through the process and we'll link to the tip if you have any problems along the way. We go step-by-step step exactly how to do this. But it's something that if you forgot your password, it's just really worth doing because it's pretty easy. And from there, you'll be able to download apps again. You'll be able to use iCloud, FaceTime, iMessage, all of those things that you yeah. need your Apple ID for. So uh, 
this is just one of those kind of practical tips that will really help you out. Go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up for the newsletter and get tips every day that teach you a wide range of things you can do on your device. Can I just add something really important? Mm -hmm. If you forget your Apple ID password, under no circumstances should you create a new Apple ID and use that (laughs) instead. Thank you. Thank you. Really important caveat. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'll lose access to everything you've already purchased and things just get really complicated and messed up. My dad did this, and we're still feeling the effects of it because we're on family sharing. And honestly, so. I've met I've met so many people who have done this, and they'll. It's one of these things where whenever you tell somebody you work for iPhone Life, the first thing they do is like shove their phone in your face and say, "Fix it." So I tend to encounter everybody's problems, and this is one of them. If people create two, and then they don't know the password for either, and they don't understand, and they have some apps downloaded on one, and some apps downloaded on the other, it's a mess. Also, last side note, because we're about to talk about iPhone Life Insider. We have a collection about Apple ID that is mm-hmm. just coming out for iPhone Life Insider. We have a roundtable that we talk about all of these issues. We talk about the difference between an Apple email and an Apple ID, and we talk about how to reset your passwords, all the stuff. So if you are an insider, keep an eye out for it. It's coming out this week. Today. Today. Yeah. It's coming out today. Awesome. <laughs> Um, and we're actually recording the podcast ahead of time. So by the time you're watching it, it's been out already, FYI. That's uh, true. <laughs> uh, and we also have in the collection has our favorite tips about Apple ID. That's right. Yeah. So go to iphonelife.com slash insider to sign up and to get access to that collection and much more, which is a great segue because now we're, I wanted to tell you about iPhone Life Insider. And so this is our premium subscription. It's a monthly subscription. And once you sign up, you get daily video tips. So you get not only the written version that people in the daily tips newsletter get, but also a video walkthrough, which makes it even easier Mm -hmm. to learn as you watch. Uh, You also get uh, our collection of in-depth guides and video tip collections. Also a digital subscription to the magazine, which means you get the full archive as well as new releases and Ask an Editor, which is our tech help feature, where if you're having a specific problem and it's hard to find the answer with our tips, you can always email ask. Oh, I, you don't need to tell you the email address. Uh, you email us and Sarah will help you solve your problems. So she is our resident tech expert here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, each episode she shares one of our recent questions from insiders and how she helped them out. So. Sarah. So um, I recently received an email from an insider who was asking about um, the new emergency SOS feature on the iPhone and the Apple Watch, um, Mm. which um, basically on the Apple Watch, how it works is uh, you press the side button and then uh, you can swipe on the emergency SOS option and it will download 911 for you. If or, you press and hold, won't it also download yes, 911? Okay. Yes. And Got fortunately, you on that one. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and he also wanted to know how do I do that on my iPhone? Um, and so this is what I said to him. I'm just going to read it so I don't leave anything out. So the emergency SOS feature for iPhone was first noticed in the iOS 10.2 a public beta. Um, but the reason he couldn't set it up on his phone is because it didn't come out with iOS 10.3. Mm. So it's not available on your iPhone. So it's only available on your Apple Watch as, mm. of, as right. of now. As of now. But hopefully, I mean, 
in the future. I think they have a lot of things going on already with the sleep wake button because of the like hard resets and things. So maybe they're just trying to well, and it's a mixed bag because on one hand, it's of course invaluable if you need it to be able to call nine one one quickly and discreetly, but also you can accidentally call 911. Well, the thing is they had right. the in the in the beta, they had it set so that you could do you quickly press the side button 5 times. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm in distress that might be hard to like count to 5. Yeah, and also <laughs> if it's in your pocket and it's like bumping up against something, it could right. get pressed 5 times. So, but I think in general that's a fantastic feature and so I'm hopeful that it will come out soon. But you can do it on your Apple Watch and as David said, you press and continue to hold the side button. <laughs> And first, a screen, the screen I spoke about will appear with the option to turn off your phone or look at your medical ID. So if you find someone in distress and want to look at their medical ID and they're wearing an Apple Watch, that's a good way. Um, and also, you know, to swipe to call emergency services, which in the U.S. is 911, but elsewhere can be different. And if you continue holding it, will just automatically go straight to uh, calling 911, although there is a three-second time frame in which you can be like oops and cancel <laughs> and it makes a loud noise <laughs> right. so um so that's great you know and that's a much easier thing to just continue pressing holding instead of trying to count to five or whatever mm -hmm. so it's good to know about and it's a really important safety feature yeah absolutely next we want to launch into our complaints and learning segment of the podcast where mm -hmm. we share things we've learned over the past couple of weeks or issues we've been having, which is usually what we do. <laughs> uh, so David, I think you said you had one to start us out with. I do. This is a, a learning. Um, so I, uh, when you when you check email, a lot of times what I'll do is if I'm reading an email and... You, mean you actually do read some of your emails? I sometimes read emails. <laughs> I read just all of ours. the important ones, oh. just not yours. No. <laughs> uh, in our past podcast... I revealed that I had 40,000 unread emails, which is why they're giving me a hard time. Um, so when I'm reading email, if I get to an email that I want to remember to reply later, I'll often go and mark it as unread. Uh, on a on, uh, text message, sometimes it would be nice to be able to do that, uh, but there's no way to mark it as unread. So this is something that I've figured out and I've started doing, which is if I'm busy but I want to quickly read a text but I know that I don't want to like... Uh, have time to respond, sometimes I will peek into the message, which you can do on, I think it's an iPhone 6S or later, mm. anything that has um, 3D touch, you can peek into it, read it without actually opening the text, and then it still considers that text to be unread later, uh, and that's a good way to kind of, if you sometimes like me, forget to text people back. <laughs> right. It helps you, like a reminder to revisit it. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Because unlike my email, I do tend to keep my text message at inbox zero. So if I right. see an unread message, I'll, I'll remember to go check it later. Right. And this is also a good way, um, if you have uh, read receipts turned on mm -hmm. or read receipts just for a specific person, you can um, do that? I didn't even know. If yeah, you, yeah oh. you can. Um, you open up that conversation and tap the little eye in the top right corner, and then you can select to turn on the read receipts for that conversation. But we're, maybe We're all pretty firmly in the anti-read receipt camp. Mm -hmm. Right, but sometimes there's... I know that Noah, our COO, and his wife like to know mm -hmm. because maybe it's a timely thing, and mm -hmm. if they haven't read it, you might want to call them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can so see that. So I like the fact that I can choose, like, for my kids, I have read receipts turned on. But sometimes there might be an email that 
I don't want them to know that I, I'm not an email, a text message like demanding, you know, that I bring him ice cream or something. <laughs> and I don't want to deal with the fallout of saying like, yeah, right. No. So <laughs> I... Or them seeing that you read it and then just didn't reply for hours. Right. Um, right. So you can just peek in mm-hmm. and then <laughs> see if it's something that you even want them to know you read. And That's then... amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I'll do sometimes is with a... Uh, um, with Facebook Messenger, similarly, they have read receipts turned on automatically. And sometimes if I'm busy, but I don't want them to see that I saw it and didn't reply, uh, you can s- see the message in your notification so you don't have to actually open the app. I, do I know. Too. It's still my biggest <laughs> problem with Messenger. Yeah, I really dislike it. I really like, I will just be like, I'll leave messages unread for a long time because I don't have... I don't want to reply to it just at that moment. Yeah. And I don't want to have like, because, you know, if someone reads your message and then they don't respond for a while, it's like, I it's think, hard to not feel bad. Yeah. Right? Even I've though I do it. I know. It's yeah. true. Right. It's true. So I, think I, the, I try not to take it personally, but it's an involuntary reaction. I think for the most no. part, we all need to kind of society be okay with the fact that because we all carry these devices with us 24 hours a day, that sometimes somebody might see something and not respond right away. Well, totally. yeah. I mean, I that's why I'm against read receipts. But the thing is, yeah, I feel like it's important to understand the whole thing about text messages and why they're great and so convenient is because it allows you to carry on a conversation with someone without having to both be engaged simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So you can do other things and then... Respond at your nearest convenience. Right. And so you really shouldn't be offended if someone, even if they read it, if they don't respond right away. Mm -hmm. And mostly, like David, I just don't want to forget to respond, which is why I'll leave them Yeah. Okay. So what are you guys? Uh, You guys have complaints or learnings? I have a complaint, or no, I have a learning, which is a a great one from one of our readers that I want to share with you guys. This is from Philip Collins. Thank you for emailing in to tell us about this. Um, This is about your AirPods connecting to find my iPhone. This is also an iOS 10.3 feature that uh, Apple rolled out where you can locate your lost AirPods using Find My iPhone, which is great, but there is something to know, and that's if you lend your AirPods to a friend and they pair with your AirPods. (laughs) If they don't tap forget this device in your Bluetooth settings, when they return the AirPods to you, they'll be able to track your AirPods locations in their Find My iPhone app from then on. So Philip Collins writes in, he said, I lent my pair of AirPods to my brother so he could try them. A few days later, he's telling me he can track me via Find My iPhone when I'm using my AirPods. <laughs> so you I like be... that his brother tracked him for a few days before letting him know. <laughs> I know. So you could inadvertently be letting someone track your location, which is something you definitely want to consciously be doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so we went, we were using AirPods in the office and we tried this out. And when we went in to find my iPhone to f- remove the AirPods that we had lent, borrowed from Hal, our founder, it said, remove device. This device will reappear if it connects to the internet and find my iPhone is turned on. So even if you try to remove it from your end at that point from find my iPhone, it'll, it's going to pop up again. The only way to not have it track any longer is to go into the Bluetooth settings um, and say, forget this device. So that's good to know. Yeah, don't and, lend your AirPods out to people. And I feel like actually if you borrow anyone's Bluetooth speaker or headphones, just as a matter of courtesy, when you're finished, you should go in and forget that device. Because otherwise, I remember I borrowed uh, Connor Carey, our feature writer's 
headphones one day because mine weren't working or something. And then every time she went to play music on her, there was just, we just kept like accidentally listening to each other's music. And so I had to go forget it. And Phones right. can be overly aggressive in trying to connect to Bluetooth. <laughs> right. And so if you, somebody's Bluetooth is nearby that you haven't forgotten, it can try to connect to it, which is right. just really so, obnoxious. You know, like yeah. I've borrowed Donna's speaker before. Like I've connected to her speaker at her house. or Because, you know, like you might want to listen to music when you're hanging out together. And I've mm-hmm. connected to David's. And so sometimes I could accidentally connect to their speakers, and that can be a problem too because there's sometimes a limit to the number of devices that connect to, to a speaker. Mm. Yeah. And so it's just, if it doesn't belong to you, go into your Bluetooth connect like settings and select, forget this device. If it doesn't belong to you, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any complaints in learning? That you uh, yeah, I, I, I mentioned this briefly in the last podcast, but... I feel like Siri is just not working, like is understanding me a lot less than usual. Uh, maybe I'm using Siri more, but it's hmm. it's kind of frustrating. That is frustrating. I'll, I'll set a, you know, I'll, I'll speak a reminder and Siri gets the wording wrong, <laughs> you know, and I have to tap and edit it or just like remember when Siri says, find the cake, she actually means what I was trying to... Isn't that the funniest when you have like a reminder for yourself that is just nonsense and you're trying to like reverse engineer what you actually told Siri? <laughs> <Totally>. Right? <laughs> um, so, and just things like that. I mean, with any kind of AI assistant, you're going to have to be careful about how you uh, phrase things and, and enunciate. But I feel like even with that, Siri is letting me down a lot lately and I want it to stop. I'm sorry to hear that. That's really, there's, it's one of the most frustrating things when you keep on repeating, like, remind me to do this. And and then you find yourself swearing at, you know, a yeah, being that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> the, yeah. the thing that Siri doesn't know from me that drives me crazy is the word yeah. Because what happens <laughs> a lot on, on my CarPlay is it'll read something back and said, it says, would you like me to send this? And I guess I just always say yeah and not yes. And it just straight up do. doesn't acknowledge the word. <laughs> that's a thing. I didn't even know. <laughs> well, I figured it out with Siri. So it just straight up doesn't acknowledge the word. It's like, how did you not train Siri to know the word yeah? I know. That's a good point. I just realized our question of the week mm-hmm. <clears throat> ties into the find my AirPods. So I wanted to bring that up, which is, do you share your location with anybody and I mean, it sort of ties in with the find my AirPods because that was about letting someone essentially see your location in that case inadvertently. But you can on purpose share your location with other people using find my friends. And uh, that's something that can be handy, you know, but it also can be potentially a loaded thing to let somebody do, like if that's in a romantic relationship or even like family, like do you want to make your kids <laughs> share their location with you or or not. So I thought that'd be an interesting thing to hear what you guys had to say about. Mm-hmm. I have some friends that I share a location with just because it's it's not a loaded thing. It's kind of just fun and occasionally a practical thing. So if you go to, if you email us at podcasts at iphonelife.com, you can let us know. Do you share your location and why? So I share my location with my kids. Uh, family sharing makes it really easy to just automatically set that up. So I know where my parents are all the time and I know where my kids are all the time. Um, you know, and I don't use it to spy on them generally, but it can be rather than texting my daughter and be like, 
where are you? I can just be like, oh, she's at this friend's house. And we <laughs> actually, we went to a trade show together in Las Vegas and we did share, find my friends then and I, I keep forgetting to turn it off. So you all know where I am all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could. Uh, to be honest, I don't really oh, check. Okay. Okay. But um, it's funny because I didn't realize, like I, I kind of neglected to mention to my kids that they could also figure out where I am. <laughs> um, but the other day, uh, my daughter didn't have school. There was a teacher work day and... I had an appointment in a different town and she texted me and she's like, where are you? And I said, I'm at an appointment. And she goes, in Atamwa, which is the town I was in. And I realized she was tracking my location. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. That's pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't mind if she knows where I am. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I feel like it can be kind of a useful thing, also kind of fun. Occasionally I will look at it and I have like a chart of all my friends and tell them where they are. It's kind of cool. Um, the other day I looked at my phone and it told me you were at your friend Anna's house. <laughs> I mean, just because I've been to Anna's house, so I knew where it was. <laughs> so funny. I'm it's like, she's at Anna's house. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our apps and gear section. This is our final segment of this podcast where we're going to talk about the awesome apps and gear that we've been trying. And as I'm, you can see, we have some out here. I'm going to duck out because he didn't. Oh, wait. I think he just got Let me just see. Hold on. David has a very important meeting. Yeah, he needs to I got leave my us. Meeting. But so Sarah and I can this. share our apps and gear instead. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the yeah, first thanks, part of the podcast. Guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Bye, David. Bye. All right, should we scooch over a little? So, the app that I want to tell you guys about is Mealime. This is spelled M E A L I M E. I've had a lot of people have been telling about it and they're like, what? Lime something? But anyway, this is a meal planning app and recipe app that lets you choose four by default, four default meals for the week and gives you a grocery list of everything you need to buy for those meals and also lets you put in um, your dietary restrictions, granted not every dietary restriction, (laughs) also gives you nutrition information. Basically, I've been finding it to be pretty awesome and comprehensive. That being said, I want to give Sarah a chance to tell us this flaw with it well I think it's an awesome app and I actually downloaded it and was starting to set it up because you can go in and they have like the common dislikes and allergies that you can mark as having or not having Mm -hmm. and then there's a more extensive list of things that you can uh, say that you don't like and now I I actually do like onions but I am sensitive to them and I can't eat a lot of them I start like breaking out in like cold sores and you know it's just not Onions don't like me, basically. (laughs) But it wouldn't let me select that as something that I wanted to avoid. That's what seems strange. And I'm a skilled enough cook that I can totally make things without onions. Like, I can adapt any recipe. And make it tasty, like, flavorful still. Right. And I I do occasionally eat onions. I just like to reserve it for special occasions, like pizza with, you know, the... I can't even talk... The onion, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's when I will eat onions, you know, but it's a special occasion thing for me. And um, so that was a little frustrating. Um, But I think overall, it's a really awesome app. Yeah. It seems surprising to me that you can't rule out onions because in general, they have pretty, like, a lot of the basic foods that you would be eating that you can eliminate. And onions are uncommon as something that people are sensitive to. Yeah. I know. They let you uh, rule out quinoa. That's one that I got rid of because my husband hates quinoa with a fiery passion. (laughs) So I I have quinoa, like no recipes with quinoa. 
Uh, but it seems like they should let you with onions. And the only yeah. thing I can think of is that the people there that make the recipes like don't want to have to make recipes without onions. I don't know. I mean, onions are in everything, you know. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm good at leaving them out. Um and it wouldn't really stop me from using the app. But if I didn't really? know how to adapt a recipe, you know, yeah, that would be a problem. And maybe there Seems is like a strange oversight. Maybe there is a way to customize it even more. But you know, if I have to go through two layers of menus just to customize it, and then I have to like search even harder, I think mm-hmm. that's a flaw. Yeah. So just a little more about the app. It has an interesting model, a freemium model, where a lot of the recipes are free. So you can create your shopping list and uh, choose out recipes you like. As you're scrolling through recipes, you'll see some will say pro next to it, though. And you have to be a paying member to do that. I believe it's $5.99 a month. Um, and but a lot of, I've tried a lot of the free recipes. They've been awesome. And they usually take about a half hour to make. Uh, they pay attention to having like all your major food groups in there, but also not being so elaborate that for like a weeknight it's not doable. Um, and one thing that I like about it is someone described it as kind of like Tinder for food that you can swipe <laughs> through recipes until you find one that looks good. I like that. Actually, this app does something like automatically that I already do, which is I go through, you know, I think of what I want to eat, like take into account like what I'm likely to be able to get in the grocery store this time of year, mm-hmm. produce wise, and I might consult some of my recipes, and then I'll make a grocery list, which I have like a sort of master grocery list already in my reminders app, and like, you know, add, uh, you know, like add anything that I don't have already in my kitchen, and then I'll go like shop. And so this... Is, I think is a really great thing. It streamlines it. And to me, especially if I didn't have experience already with a lot of like meal planning, like cooking is for me like a creative hobby, this is a really fantastic way. Like I think it would even be worth $6 if those recipes are good, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like the ones that are free are good too. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, Did you have any apps this week or just straight gear? I didn't have any apps, just straight gear. Yeah. Let's let's get into the gear. All right. I am um, ridiculously excited about this fancy flashlight. (laughs) Um, It is primarily meant to be like sort of your emergency flashlight in your car. Uh, It actually has a hammer to break the window if you're trapped in your car and even a little cutting thing, um, which I believe it has screws so you can replace the blade if you need to, to cut your seatbelt in an emergency. And it also has a, uh, a magnetic thing so you can like say put it on the hood of your car and then like look at your engine if and go, hmm, yep, the engine is there. That's at least what I would do. <laughs> Maybe you're more knowledgeable. And um, it this is a solar-powered charger, and it also can uh, has a white light, a white LED light, and a flashing red light, say if you wanted to use it as like a flare while you were doing something in your car. And then it has this flashlight, which I'm not going to turn on and like blind everyone, <laughs> that has you know a really bright light and a medium bright light and a flashing light because there's also a bicycle mount that I don't have here with me, um, but it's only $8. And so you, this can also double as like a, a bicycle. So awesome. It's right. Like- and the reason I'm talking about this in a podcast about like smart devices, like iDevices, is because um, you can actually charge your phone with it and... Or, or another device. And so that's really great. It's like, you know, you don't want to, if you're having an emergency or you're, say, you're taking this camping or whatever, um, you know, the battery charges with solar power, although you can plug it into a USB port. And then 
you can charge your phone and just have power without worrying about being near a power source. And what's this flashlight called? This is the uh, Renogy Illumin Multifunctional Flashlight. It's only $25, like $24.99. That seems so reasonable, especially for a charger as well. Well, with like emergency type stuff like this, I've definitely spent money on some serious like flashlights or, you know, lights for, I like to, you know, I have like emergency service for my car, you know, and my insurance so I can like get roadside assistance. But, you know, it, it can take a while and some things you can deal with yourself within that mm-hmm. time and and you know like hopefully you'd never have to use the feature where you have to break a window to get out of your car but it's nice to have that option too you know I think this is a really great flashlight and um, I'm pretty excited about it yeah I feel like this is perfect for like summer camping roundup yeah, or, type or of- bike trips like I you know like if you go we have a really great trail system locally here where iPhone Life is located and if you're out on a bike ride by yourself on a trail, it'd be nice to have this with you. Like, say, you know, you get a flat and you're like 20 miles from town, you know? Like, yeah, definitely. Charge up your phone, you know, like the battery is charged. You can use it as a headlight. There's actually a compass on the back. I don't find it that accurate. I'd probably use this to charge my phone and then use the compass on my iPhone. Um, right. But, you know, it's, it's a great tool and it's a really affordable one, so... Uh, the gear that I wanted to talk about this week is the UE Megaboom, and I've already talked about this on a past episode as being my favorite Bluetooth speaker. Um, it has great sound. It's waterproof. It gets serious volume. Yeah, it's really powerful. Um, it pairs really seamlessly. Like mm-hmm. I've had, I've had issues with other Bluetooth speakers where, where just sometimes it'll be malfunctioning, and I haven't experienced that with this very much. Right, and the app, it comes with an app that's very intuitive mm-hmm. as well, and it automatically turns off, like if it's been inactive for 15 minutes, so the, the battery yeah. won't run down, because that's sometimes an issue with Bluetooth headphones I love that. and stuff. Yeah, so um, it's a great Bluetooth speaker, and the reason I wanted to bring it up this episode is last weekend I tried the... Um, what, let's see, what do they call it? Double up feature where you can pair together more than one Bluetooth speaker and either have it playing stereo sound or just each one playing sound so you can have them in different rooms. Mm-hmm. And I use this, we had a, a birthday party for our coworker, Rayanne Taylor, and Sarah has one of these too. So she lent me her UE Megaboom. It was really easy through the Megaboom app to use the double up feature and have them both playing. Um, but did you forget the device, Donna? Did I forget the device? What? Did you, did, you, did you select to forget my Bluetooth speaker? Oh, I know. Actually, as Sarah was saying, as a courtesy, you should do that. I was like, oh, I better go do that after this episode. Uh, the only caveat is that you do need to keep the phone and the speakers like a little closer together than usually I've had to do for your Bluetooth, your regular Bluetooth range, because then otherwise it would cut out a little bit. But it made such a big difference at a party when people are talking and, you know, there was what, like 20 or 30 people there at one point, you do need more than one speaker to have, to like have the music still be a big part of it. And so it's such an awesome feature and you can pair it, I think they set up to like 50 speakers or something crazy like that. I mean, you'd have to be really rich to buy all those, but. (laughs) But also, I mean, like each speaker puts out such a significant amount of sound that I've I mean, I've, it was a pretty big space where the party was, but I felt like there was nowhere at the party where I didn't feel like I could hear the music in a good way. Clearly, if you have a party, you don't want it to drown out the ability to talk to people, but you do want to right. hear the music, and, yeah. and it always sounded good to me. 
yeah, so the UE Mega Boom. The the Mega Boom, I believe, is two, it's like almost $300, whereas they have a Boom version that's about half the size of this that's also a great speaker, like pretty and it's loud. And just it's one, it's in size the Size-wise, it's great because it's the size where you could, say, put it in like a cup holder or like your water bottle holder if you're riding yeah. a bike or um, – and it also has really great sound. Um, yeah. I've Ultimate tried the Skosh – boom bottle like the h2o boom bottle which i also really like and it's it's maybe even more rugged than this one mm-hmm. um but just in terms of volume output i feel like the ue boom is that's the smaller one it actually is better uh did you have any other gear you wanted to share yeah i wanted to talk about my iphone case which i have a pop socket on that matches because apparently that's the kind of person i'm on if you <laughs> i know some people are listening and hopefully we've been doing a good job describing but mm-hmm. if we're not uh you can watch the video online at iphonelife.com podcast and just watch the video that's in the uh, podcast blog post um but I have this uh, Casetify snap case, um, and they have a whole collection of really cool designs. And I've Got had to, <laughs> I've had to resign myself to using a case because I have dropped my phone enough recently and broken the screen enough recently that I've decided it's worth it. But I really do appreciate having a slimmer case. But it's hard to find slim cases that are protective enough. And this has, I feel like, hopefully, is a good compromise because. It does have a bit of a, an, a bumper, an edge around the corners. Yeah. And and it's really easy to take on and off, which I like, because I do like to change my case and try different things. And um, so I am really happy with this case. Um, the They start at $35, and Casetify has a whole bunch of different cases, and you can even customize them. So if, like, the look of your case is really important, which clearly if I'm the kind of person who would also order a matching pop socket, it is to me, <laughs> then um, <laughs> then uh, this is a great case, and uh, you should check it out. Yeah, I like the geometric pattern, too. Yeah, if you there's a sort of, like, marbleized geometric pattern on this case, but there's lots of different – there's ones with flowers and bright colors and pictures, so – yeah, I feel like they do really well with patterns. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, so this wraps up the episode 58 of the iPhone Life podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. As Sarah mentioned, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, you can always see the blog post, which includes all of the information and links to products we've discussed in the episode, as well as the video version, if you'd like to see you know, us showing you the products instead of just hearing about them. Also, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up for our daily tip newsletter. And iphonelife.com slash insider is where you can go to learn about our premium subscription. So thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.